Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Harley Clifford, what are you drinking there, mate? HF protein, protein shake, coconut milk, banana, blueberry, strawberry. You are, uh, you're all on that. You're on that health health life at the moment. It's pretty good, eh? Yeah, well, I'm trying to be. Like, after I got injured like a year and a half ago, I sort of had to get on it and get uh, slimmed out a little bit and get back to fitness and, uh, I don't know, just get back on the board. It's a lifestyle now for you, isn't it? Yeah, sort of. That's the way. I don't know. Well, I guess that's just sort of the way sports are now. You can't really, like, mess around and drink all the time and party and do what, like, we used to do back in the day and other sports used to do back in the day. Now you have to sort of be on it 24-7 and... Always fit, always healthy, and always active, yeah. So, is this your first... This is like your first podcast, eh? Yeah, podcast number one. How do you feel about it so far? Nervous. Why? No, not really. Um, yeah, it's just weird. Like, I'm talking to one of my friends into a mic, awkwardly close. And yeah, yeah, it should be good, though. <laughs> it is kind of weird. I was saying to Maddie before that, like, we've been friends for so long that... I don't really know if we have serious conversations. Like, do we have serious conversations? Never. I don't think so. It's sort of just not one of those. I don't know. That's what I was thinking with Toby. No, no. We got pretty deep yesterday in the car about girlfriend stuff. Oh, we did. For a second. Yeah, yeah. And like weird rocks. Yeah, that was super weird. <laughs> oh, should we, I think we should like scroll to that Instagram. No, that was too weird. But I was thinking about that yesterday with Toby because I was like, because we did Toby yesterday. I'm like, man, I don't just like... Especially with me and him, because we just always give each other shit. It's just like constant shit talk. And I'm like, I don't know how a podcast is going to go with Toby, because all I do is talk shit with him. But we ended up talking for like two and a half hours about real shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's get real. What should we talk about? Should we talk about? I don't know. I want to... What, what's it like being back in Australia? Let's start with Australia. How good is Australia? Because yeah, I'm yeah. kind of right back in the Australia thing too right now. It's very fresh. Yeah, I'm the same as you. Like I go over there to America for six months of the year and then by the time, like always the last month that I'm in America, I'm just like anticipating on getting home. Like I cannot wait to get home. I'm so anxious. And then I get back and I just feel like I'm like back into normal life. When I'm over there, I feel like nothing's normal, you know? It's... um. I live in this zone of perennial FOMO. So like when Always I'm... Always missing out. Yeah, when I'm here, I feel like I'm missing out on stuff. And you, you do... Obviously, home's like always home and you can't really replace home. But I do have good friends there. I've got really cool people I hang out with. There's a lot of cool stuff going on. So it's like I do... Like, yeah, you can't replace home, but I really do miss being over there as well. So, yeah. I mean, I'm sure you've got a bit of that as well. Yeah, for sure. But, like, when I'm in America, like, I just constantly feel like a pro wakeboarder. Like, I never feel like I'm living a normal life or something that I'm going to be doing when I get older. It's just always, like, wakeboarding, 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 wakeboarding. And that's all it is, like, traveling and competing and doing appearances and demos and whatnot. But, like, when I'm here, I just get time to relax and, like get down with like my real friends that I grew up with and stuff like that. And my family's here and um, yeah, just sort of like, this is, I, don't, I like see myself always ending up living in Australia, not America. So I always feel like I'm way more at home when I'm back here. 
yeah i'm i'm the same like even in the past having like when i when i had my visa to live solid in the states i you know had like girlfriends and things and i just never saw myself marrying an american chick and living in america and like we were even talking about jack freestone like the position that he's in now like he's now about to have a baby with a chick that lives in hawaii and it's like he's now in that position where like he's not really coming home yeah and it's kind of weird now yeah yeah that's his life and it's sort of like i know girls can do that to you they change everything but yeah and that's like one of the yeah i'm just in the exact same boat of like i always saw myself coming back to australia even though you know like i had a visa for four years or whatever it was to to be there but it was just like that whole time it was all about coming back home because and like it's not a dig to your american friends like i've got a few friends over there that if they lived here i'd hang out with them as much as i'd want to hang out with like my australian friends yeah exactly. but there's just something different about people that have known you for your entire life and you just it's just a different it's just a different vibe yeah for sure like well like predominantly like most of my friends in the states or are wakeboarders i have something to do with wakeboarding and yeah i love that like we all get along and stuff because we have like so many common interests but i don't know when i'm back here i just sort of like I love just like getting the chance to get away from that, hanging out with like my real friends I grew up with. And I don't know, we just go mess around and do things that I would have done when I was a kid. And over there, like I don't really do that stuff, you know? I was talking to, well, obviously talking to Toby yesterday with the podcast, but I said to him that you sort of end up, not me, but with you guys, you end up being Harley Clifford in your world. And then when you're back in Australia and you're around your family, you're just Harley to your family. You're not Harley Clifford anymore. Yeah, it's sort of like that Miley Cyrus Santa Montana deal, nearly. Yeah. <laughs> That's classic. Yeah. It's so true, though, like, because I think that a lot of people don't um, understand. And I, I work with athletes pretty much 24 7 doing the stuff that I do. Yeah. And the, the biggest thing that I think the perception that my friends have that don't work with athletes or maybe get to like meet people through me, they have this like perception and of what that person is. And it's like that you don't want to be Harley Clifford to people. Like yeah. you just want to be Harley. Yeah, and exactly. I think that yeah, it's, yeah. it's hard for people to realize the position that an athlete wants to be in. And when you're just having a conversation and then it's hard for, yeah, maybe it's hard for you guys to sort of separate that Miley Cyrus, Hannah Montana kind of deal, you know? Yeah. It's sort of like sometimes you go to a place, if you're at a contest or something, it's never like you're really having like a real conversation with someone. It's always like the same thing. You're answering questions and they're asking you like, how's life? Like how's wakeboarding? Like, I don't know, just sort of stuff like that where like, yeah, when you get home and I'm like, I'm with like my real friends and people around me that. They, I, I, they just don't care about that stuff, you know? They just care about, like, how I am and what I'm doing and, and um, like, having a good time together. And I think for people that are, like... You, you've got, what, 100,000 people on Instagram or whatever. And Instagram. the majority of those people... Instagram. Instagram. The majority of those people are hardcore wakeboarding fans. They might be, like, new wakeboarding fans. They might be old diehards. But wakeboarding is, like, their escape from reality. Yeah, exactly. But reality is your escape from wakeboarding yeah it's just like and it's complete opposite yeah yeah it's so reversed and then the the whole like fan thing gets super weird because it's like they expect you to be that guy when it suits them kind of deal because it's like that's their escape on instagram is you're always happy you're always wakeboarding you're always like doing wakeboarding orientated stuff where 
I don't know, really when I'm at home, sort of like I go do my job, I go wakeboard and then I get back into the house or I go somewhere else and it just like, I get, try and get away from it like as much as I can. Well, that's I love like, it like so much, but like, oh, you always need that escape. It's kind of like work, you know? Yeah. And that's the thing. Yeah, like, the wakeboarding is their escape, but you yeah. kind of try and escape from wakeboarding and not because you don't like wakeboarding, yeah. but because it's the thing that you've done for so long. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's only so much you can like do something and think about it and stuff like that. And it becomes like more of like a job, I guess, than like what it is, a hobby or a fun or whatever for, you, you know? And I think people really look down on, um, I know with the film stuff that I've made with athletes and done interviews or whatever, when athletes have said like, oh, it becomes like a job and then people go, oh, he's so ungrateful. And it's like, nah, man, like if you were an accountant and you, all you did was account and then people were talking to you about accounting, all that, like you get sick of it. Yeah, exactly. It's just, that's just how it is. That's human nature dictates that you cannot be pumped on something all day, every day. And people just think yeah. it's like the, this massive dig against wakeboarding or against motocross or against surfing or that, you know, like Kelly Slater, perfect example. That dude just wants to golf. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And how many dudes do you know? Like Steel, another example. Like Steel just wants to golf. or Ste- There's yeah. people that they're trying to escape from, you know, wakeboarding or surfing as much as joe blows trying to escape from his accounting job and yeah. it's it, people well, are d- i mean i'm not going to put it that far like i definitely know if i was an accountant and that's all i was doing is accounting stuff is i'd probably hate my job way more than why well, i love bike putting so yeah like, yeah yeah i definitely don't hate it at all i love it and i don't know it's pretty cool that i get to like travel the world and not like live and breathe bike putting. but yeah there's those times where you're just like come on just like give me a break let me just go home get home get away from this contest and and just relax well i think i've been home for like three days and we've seen each other every day, which is actually pretty rad. That never happens. But I don't are think we... Are we surfers? We're, yeah, we're actually surfers. Yeah, now. yeah. Like, I don't, think, I don't think we've talked about wakeboarding until this thing started. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. it kind of happened. Should we just talk about surfing? Dude, how good is surfing? Oh. Burley Point. Yeah, did we own Burley Point? I think we, we like, showed up as a mob mm-hmm. to Burley Point. We had me, Maddie, who can paddle, like... Is Maddie a fish? I heard they just changed it to Harley Jace Maddie Point. It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they're gonna like they're gonna shorten it to some form of acronym, so it would be like H J M, yeah, H J M point, yeah, yeah, makes uh, sense. Which is, yeah, it does make sense for yeah, sure. Yeah, for but sure. Um, is Matty a fish? It's insane. I don't know. I don't know how he paddles like that. I don't, I don't get know, it. I don't know. Like I get how he paddles like that, but how did I get stooged so hard on fitness? Maddie just has a six I'm pack. I'm an athlete. I'm supposed to be fit. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do it. We're, we're like, we're like, where did Harley go? And you're like, I just didn't want to battle. And yeah. then old, old desk job Maddie's just like doing laps yeah, around yeah, the point. Like, yeah, yeah, he's been around the point like six times. I'm not even out yet. I didn't get many waves yesterday though. Yeah, but the board was fast. The that board was, was one no, wave he caught. The board was quick. Yeah, quick, 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 quick. It wasn't fast. It was quick. It's crazy how one wave you can just tell. Dude just took off well the thing is i was riding a potato chip the day before that didn't float and then yesterday i rode a board that did float so are you talking shit about my boards no nah, your boards are sick but i'm just a bigger guy than you not really are you kidding yeah yeah true no, i'm a big you're a, five seven you're a big five I'm seven a big five you're a seven. solid five seven <laughs> as far as five seven goes yeah, yeah you're one of the bigger five seven yeah yeah for sure people look at me and they probably assume six foot but guys five seven on the real Five seven yeah. breaking. Or five seven and a half. 
yeah, it's yeah. it's it's on the higher end. You of can call me six if you want. Close. Yeah. Uh, what? Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, you're bloody fit now. Because when I first yeah, met not, you, I don't know. I'm kind of unfit. I was really fit, and then the last two months since I've been back home, I've sort of just chilled out a little bit because, like, since I did get injured a year and a half ago, like that's all I did was just like constantly eat well, train hard, wakeboard, and. And then, um, yeah, that season ended this year and I just really wanted to take a break. So the past like two months, I've sort of, I don't know, just been in and out of the gym a little bit just to try and maintain a little bit of fitness. But really only like the past week have I got back training with my trainer, Taylor, and, and really sort of going to start prepping for next season. The, when you, because uh, I think you were maybe like 14 when I met you, and you were the talent kid the full-blown natural talent you'd never lifted a weight i mean at 14 you're not getting it anyway yeah yeah, you probably don't do that at 14 but you started doing so well on the pro scene and you were you were killing it to when you didn't have to train yeah and then all of a sudden you get this knee injury and then oh harley's in the gym and i honestly thought and it's not a dig i didn't think it was gonna last but you've turned it into a lifestyle. Yeah, 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 definitely. It's a big part of my day. I don't know. Well, I have so much free time. I'll let wakeboard and I don't know. When I'm not wakeboarding, I'm just sort of chilling. So it's definitely like a good outlet to have to be able to get in the gym and know that that's like improving my wakeboarding as well rather than just sitting around doing nothing or playing Xbox and or drinking or doing something silly, you know? Yeah, and the, there's a point with working out where you kind of get over. A lot of people never find it because they don't do it long enough. Yeah, yeah. But Maddie's a good example. Like for his whole life, he's just been fit, and he's never really let himself. Well, he's just gnarly active, yeah, yeah. but he's never let himself get unfit. Yeah. Whereas, like I've had points in my life where I've gone back to being unfit, fit, unfit, fit, and like I think that you've found a point now where you are. It's just literally a thing that you do, no matter what. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I mean. I was just always so young and I like I had like a really good streak I never really got injured like the whole time I was wakeboarding and for a couple of years there like I would just I don't know like 22 23 like before I got injured I would just party and rock up at events and still somehow do good and it never really affected me but you know I got injured and I saw like while I was injured so many kids that like were leading up to like about to probably start beating me they like picked up new tricks they were fit they were like going hard and stuff so i knew the only way i was going to get back and like i literally had to like come back and be better than what i was before i got hurt so the only way that that was going to happen there was no way i was just going to come back and jump on the wakeboard and all of a sudden like be better i had to like do something to improve myself so that's when i like linked up with i don't know like my taylor trainer i meant my trainer taylor and and uh worked on a program with him and really sort of like really worked on it and i came back and i jumped back on the board and like it took me like a week to get back to where I was before I got hurt. And then I probably had like a month more before an event. And like, I honestly like stepped it up and I was better than what I was before I got hurt. And like the only way, the only reason I did that was because I was fit. And did that make the training easier to then like say, oh, well, this is just my life now, as opposed to rehabbing an injury. And then the doctor's like, yep, you're good. You can start wakeboarding and then go on. Okay, cool. Back to the way it was. So like the fact that you got on, it felt so good instantly. Is that what made it easier to keep it going? Yeah, for sure. And then since like day one, like I, I always looked at it before I got hurt that like if I tore my ACL, it's just like six months of rehab and then you're back on the board. But like I sat down and like when I spoke to Taylor, my trainer, he was like, you know, like now you've done your ACL, it's going to be something that like 
you're always going to have to work on. So now that's sort of like what's in my mind now and I'm always working on it and always like just working on fitness and now it's sort of all like injury prevention stuff nearly. Like I never really want to deal with that again and that's sort of like a massive motivator for me to stay fit. The um, the whole, I don't want to say your life and career has been easy because obviously you've put in the work to do it but you're a freak talent when it comes to wakeboarding and you were like the Ryan Sheckler of wakeboarding in a way. Like Sheckler came out, he was this kid prodigy and had this ridiculous talent. Then that carried over into contests where you, like he started winning contests. And, and so you kind of had that similar deal a little bit in terms of just bang, 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 like things started happening. And then you turn pro, you're the guy, you win every contest, or, you know, you're winning basically every contest. So, like, in that sense, not that there wasn't hard work that went into it, but it was an easy run for a long time. And then you get the ACL injury, which, you know, that's like a, that's the Achilles heel for, for wakeboarders. Yeah. What was the mindset when you did have that injury? Like, were you freaking out? Because, not that that was the first hard thing well, you've ever had to go through, but it's like that was the first really big obstacle in your career. Yeah, yeah. Well, the harder thing was like obviously the, the years before and stuff like that, like I, I don't know, I was doing really well and I did have, there was like a bigger gap between like the next guy underneath me and me, you know, I, I like had a lot more tricks and stuff like that. But like when the injury came about, it was when like everyone, the gap was just like, the gap was just closing and closing and getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So that was like the, the scariest thing for sure knowing that like I, I knew that when I came back from this injury, I wasn't going to be able to be at the same level as what I was and still win. Like I had to push it hard. And, and that was sort of like the, the biggest obstacle really, I guess. What was the, um, cause I, I don't really follow wakeboarding at all. Like you, if you don't post that you win, I don't really see that you win. <laughs> so it's like, I'm not in the loop in that sense of knowing who's got what and whatever, but like, yeah, yeah. what, why was the gap closing to you? Do you think there was a period before you got hurt where maybe you started cruising a little bit? Is Definitely. That, is that yeah, why? The two years before I got hurt, I really just cruised. Like I wasn't focused. I wasn't really learning new tricks and stuff. And I know I sort of was just, I don't know, maybe letting talent just like take me through instead of like, I don't know, talent's just talent. Like you have to put in hard work if you want to push it even further. And I was just sort of cruising on the talent at the time. And, and yeah, it was doing well, but like the gap was closing like every event. I don't know if I, if I like before I got injured, like if I fall, if I had a fall, like I wouldn't win. If I bobbled, I wouldn't win. And, and that sort of, I don't know where it was getting to. And I know if I didn't, well, I think like the injury is kind of the best thing for me. Cause I reckon if I didn't get injured, I still sort of would have just been cruising. And then all of a sudden I wouldn't be winning. And then who knows what would have happened then? Like, I don't know. Yeah, well, that's what that's literally what I was going to say next is like you see some people like Ricky Carmichael in motocross is this example, right? Yeah. He, he was winning everything and then he does his ACL and then has to take a year off. And when he came back, he won every single race. Yeah. And then he come back this completely new dude. He yeah. hired a trainer. He changed the sport because he come back with this crazy determination his body was in a totally different place and i think that i mean he probably experienced that same thing of like half shitting himself going if i don't step up the gap is gonna close exactly everything changes so much in a year in sport like every especially in wakeboarding you know it's a new sport and there's so many young kids coming up and and they're just pushing it way harder than what like we did when we were coming up what happened when you did crash like did you know that you'd 
fucked your ACL. Like st- that second that it happened, like I knew straight away landed and I sort of like, oh, probably like five seconds I knew, like I landed and it felt weird. I was like, oh, and I tried to get like back on top of my board, like put the board underneath me. I felt my knee click and I was like, no, I tore my ACL. So I just like took my board off. The boat came around. I was like, boys, I just tore my ACL. And they're like, no, you didn't. Like, you're fine. It didn't look that bad or whatever. And I was like, no, I did. I did. And I just got back onto the boat. And um, like, I was standing there, like walking around, like it was fine. But I just knew that I did it. And everyone was like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. So we got back in. I got him to like idle me over to the dock. It was just, we did it on my lake. It was actually like right in my cove. So like right in front of my house. And I just like, I don't know, sort of got on the dock, walked up to the house, moped a little bit, got up there and uh, called my doctor. I got him to come over. He, um, did those tests like the i don't know just there and like yeah the back knee. and forth like, deal oh it's not looking too good so he got me an mri that night got the results that night yeah found out i tore my acl which sucks so that's sort of like from that day onwards it was like all right time to get back so i um did i got in touch with my dad and he uh a couple of his buddies that are like involved in motocross actually knew uh like a really good surgeon back in australia so I just booked in with him. I flew back to Australia probably two days after I found out. I did my ACL. I was home for maybe three days. I went to the surgeon the first day I got back, and I was nearly going to get surgery that day. But I walked in there, and he tried to. I couldn't straighten my leg the whole way. So I, um, he told me, all right, come back. We, it was Monday that day, and on Wednesday, we'll get in for surgery. So I just went straight to the physio, did whatever I could to get my leg straight. I remember just like sitting there with my leg on like, an, it was like on a 90-degree bend on the table, and my physio just started wrenching on it to like push it down to get it straight. And we did that for probably like an hour that day, an hour that afternoon, like same thing the next day. And then Wednesday morning went in and got prepped, had surgery, woke up from surgery, pre-drugged up. And then, yeah, it sort of started from there. Like the first, I don't know, three weeks after surgery sucks. I was in so much pain just laying on my bed. And like I was at my parents' house and it just happened to be like the day I got surgery, they flew to Europe. So I was just sort of like solo at my parents' house, just like, cruising around trying to get around on crutches trying to feed myself and stuff like that luckily i sort of had like my little brother in and out of the house to like help me a little bit and um yeah i I stuck back in australia for about like a month the first month and a half after surgery just so i got to the point where i could like walk and get around and and do all that stuff and then i went back over to the states and started rehab with the trainer over there and trained my ass off for like five months over there got back to australia october that year so i think i'd crashed out in may and then um yeah got back to australia started training with taylor back here and then got back on the board around like in december like right before christmas is when i jumped back on the board i like i sort of like took the extra couple months like everyone says six months but i I was definitely like more pushing eight months before i got back on the board and and yeah i think that was like crucial you see so many people come back early and just um and just blow it you know like it's so you have to be ready to get back on the board you have to be ready to get back into sport and ready to push it so really just take that extra couple months to make sure everything is working properly was that that was your first like big injury right like up until that point you'd never really done anything crazy bad no that was the first one well i tore my like meniscus before but that was like nothing i just like went in got surgery and i was sweet like i walked out of surgery i was fine um what was the did you ever have any thoughts of like those first few days of like oh my career's over or like was there any like gnarly negativity that you sort of had or were you pretty like solid with it the whole time oh you definitely get those doubts through your head and like throughout the whole process you do because like really 
like now it's a year and a half later my knee is like just starting to feel normal now so the whole time you're like rehabbing you're like like anytime anything happens you're like oh my god did i tear it again is it done like you wake up the next morning maybe go out and have a couple of drinks that night you wake up the next morning it's like a little bit swollen and sore and you're like in my head i was just like oh my god it's done and it wasn't until like literally it got to like 10 months and i had a checkup with my surgeon and I walked in there and he did all the tests and got an MRI and he was like, dude, your knee is so solid. And that was like the biggest relief because like the whole time you're going through rehab, you, I don't know, you just think maybe you're rehabbing just an, or a still torn ACL. You never really know. And like how many dudes do you know that tear their ACL and then re-tear their ACL and re-tear their ACL? And oh God, you know yeah. what I mean? Like it's yeah, such it's, a common thing for wakeboarders. Yeah. Sometimes people just can't get past it and they just get on a string and it just keeps on happening. Like prime example, this one guy, Mitch Langfield, who was like, honestly would have been the best wakeboarder in the world. Like he was well on his way. He was killing it better than me, better than like all the other juniors and stuff like that. And then he tore his ACL and I, th- I think he's done it four times now. So that it's just like career ending nearly if, if that happens. And it really, it kind of happened to him because he, that's what he did. He just got back on the board too early. He didn't train hard enough through rehab and, and yeah, it was like really unfortunate for him because he was like well on his way to like having the most promising career in wakeboarding. Yeah, like how, um, yeah, how scary is that when you've sort of like, especially I think the biggest thing is when people haven't gone through that crazy stuff before, like yeah. especially in motocross. Like, I mean, I've had gnarly injuries from motor- Like it's literally just this thing that you get your head around, like yeah, yeah. crashing, breaking some shit. Like if you go through a year without breaking a bone in motocross, yeah. like you're having a pretty legit year. Yeah, seriously. You know what I mean? That's and what's then, insane. And then so with you though, like you'd never had to really deal with it. You're on top of the game. So it's like it, it, it isn't that for you. So it's like mentally that must have been a pretty weird deal. Yeah, getting to the end of this year was insane. I remember being in Japan and just being like, this is the last event of the year. Do not get hurt. And then you have six months off of no contest. So yeah, that was like, it was nearly more of a relief to get done with that event and not be hurt. Like, cause I just did six months of competing and whatnot and be injury free. than like how it was to like, knowing that I just come back and like won the world tour and done all that. Like I was nearly more stoked to just not have gotten hurt that year. Um, so then recap your results for the year. So you come back how nervous were you going into that first contest? Like, is that, and I'm trying to put just this year in perspective to every other year you've had on tour. Yeah. Well, let's go like the first contest this year, my, well, I didn't win. I ended up coming second and, um, that like the first run, like in the, the quarterfinals, I came in and I did a double tantrum, like a double backflip first trick. And that was like, that was when like no one really knew what was going to happen if I was riding good. And then I did that. And that at the time was like something that no one has ever done. So to like come back and do that, my first trick back into a competition was like pretty cool for me. Cause I was like pushing really hard. And I knew that like at that point when I got done with that run, I actually ended up with a perfect hundred score, which is like, I, I think I'm the only person that's ever done that. And that was the second time I've done it. So to, um, like do that, my first run back into a contest was when I was like, all right, yeah, yeah. The hard work was like all worth it. Uh, was it? Because the double tantrums what blew your knee out, right? Oh, no, I did a double back roll. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. but it's a similar kind of style trick, right? Yeah, yeah, double flip, yeah. So when you went into that first contest, did you go into it going, "I'm gonna do 
the same trick that basically took me out? Was that like an active thing that you were trying to get redemption or like subconsciously or like how did it, that was the first trick you did? Was that a plan? Well, look, I mean, it wasn't really like so much that. It was like, I remember the day that I hurt my knee, I got back into the house and I was sitting on the couch and I was in my head. I just, that thought came into my head. I'm coming back from this strong and I will double flip first trick coming back into a contest. So like that was just something when I did it, I was just like, no way. I can't believe I actually told myself that. And then I ended up doing it, you know? How much confidence does that? Because being a professional athlete is about getting on a roll, being on top of your own game mentally. Yeah. How much did that do for you mentally to be like a year later, do the thing that you said you were going to do on the lowest day of your life, which was tearing your ACL? Yeah, yeah. Like that's got to be pretty gnarly, dude. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely like a crazy start to the year and like after such a like a whirlwind of emotions and like dealing with like how to overcome injury and all that stuff. It was just cool to like come back and do, yeah, exactly what you just said, like on like the shittiest day that I've had in my whole wakeboard career come back and do that first trick was like insane when you so like you just said the shittiest day in my wakeboard career well actually let's talk about how like that day that like i did that or whatever i would say that right it was like the it was like so cool to come back from that injury i don't know and like do that but like that was the day that like my little brother nearly died so it went from like being like so good to like the shittiest day in my wakeboard career again like straight back into that what happened with your brother? I didn't know that that was a thing. Oh, you didn't know that was a thing? No. Well, he got, like, really sick and his kidneys, um, like, he has a disease in his kidneys and they can't, like, process protein. So, like, he got put onto all these crazy medications and stuff like that. And it actually, like, the medications, like, sent him into having seizures and he was driving his car and had a seizure. I did, And yeah. crashed his car and then, like, they took him to ICU and he, like, they couldn't stop him seizuring for, like, a day and a half. And this is all like while I was at my first competition back. So, and like every, it all got like sort of kept from me. I didn't get told any of this until like the second my final ride got done. Like dad called me and was like, Harley, I got to tell you something. And then like told me that whole story. And it was just like, that was pretty emotional. So it went from like, I don't know, being like such a good day to like the fucking worst day ever. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say. So like you said the worst day of my wakeboarding career. And then I wanted, I was going to ask, how does that relate to your life? So like what would, well, yeah, that you know what I mean? Yeah, the worst day of my life, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, so the, but the worst day of your life isn't because of wakeboarding. It's because of something that is like related to your family. So yeah, I think yeah. that a lot of people, again, like what we said before about Harley versus Harley Clifford, it's yeah. like people would think that the worst thing that could ever happen to you is your knee blown out in a comp run. But in reality, like that's, it, like where does that rate in, with your brother getting oh, sick like you know nothing. what i mean like i yeah i couldn't give a damn about my acl like when it comes down to stuff like that you know and so like was that um because i know with me getting sick last year yeah because it was a kidney thing as well uh-huh. it put my life into perspective a little bit of yeah. like uh, it honestly changed me i was just talking to my mate today about it like I'll literally call my friends and be like, fuck, I love you, dude. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah, it yeah. kind of, it turned me in, like, it, I guess it just changed the way I looked at people. It, like, made me feel like shit was yeah. way more temporary. So, yeah, like, with you going through that, it's like, it just, sh- it gives you a different perspective on, like, what's important and, like, oh, yeah, where sure. wakeboarding yeah. really ranks in the grand scheme of your life. Yeah, it's like nothing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And especially, like, like you said, you did that, but I've noticed that my whole family's like that now. Like everyone, like is always like hanging up the phone, love you and stuff like that. Where before, it like wasn't like that, and that's sort of like 
yeah, we've all sort of like realized the same thing that like anything can happen any given day. Like a month before that happened, like Ethan was fine. Like he was out partying, drinking, doing whatever he wants, having fun. We're wakeboarding every day. And then all of a sudden within like a month, he just got sick and then that was it. Like, and yeah, you know? Yeah, it's super, um, yeah, it's super heavy to go through the, those kind of things that, because I guess like for you, wakeboarding is your identity in terms of like what you do as a career and the people that follow you and people know you as yeah. wakeboarding. Yeah. But when shit goes down, yeah. the last thing you're thinking about is fucking putting wakeboard, like a wakeboard on and like jumping over two wakes. Yeah. And exactly like, and the whole time this year, like while I was in America, I was dealing with that stuff the whole time. So like, I was like trying to stay on top of like pushing my wakeboarding and like stay positive and do all that stuff. But like every night my mom would call me and be like, this is how Ethan is. And like, it just kind of sucked, you know? Yeah. And, and I guess is that, did you, because of that whole Ethan thing, did you get more guilt from being over there in a way? Like, cause we sort of said before no, that you had really, like, like he, like he wanted me to be over there and like, I was talking to him every day and like keeping in touch with him and like making sure he's okay. And like, Obviously, if, like, anything got bad, I just would have, like, jumped straight back in the plane and gone home, like, fuck anything else. But, yeah, that was sort of, like, how it was all year, you know? Are you, are you closer with him now because of that, do you think? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, like, you sort of really figure out, like you were saying, the people that, like, just call you because you got a boat. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. like, you really figure out who means a lot to you when you go through, like, yeah. those super gnarly kind of deals. Yeah, and it, like, wasn't even my deal. It was his deal. But, like, yeah, it just, it was crazy to go through and know that, like, my little brother was, like, in that position, you know? And because you guys are fucking close. Like, yeah. your whole family, man. Like, you can go to the Clifford house <laughs> on any given day. And, like, and your, I think that your mum and dad are, like, I can relate to your family because they're a, like our family. We're like, anyone's welcome yeah, yeah, anytime. Yeah, exactly. Like, dude, I've rocked up to your place on so many occasions and it's like, there's food in the oven oh, yeah. or there's like, you just randomly end up staying for dinner. Yeah. So it's like, it's not like you guys weren't close. So, I mean, I bet you would feel like you just feel it so much more just because you're close. Yeah, for sure. Like it was so hectic dealing with that stuff all year. And like one of the, like I got back from the States though this year and um like i was like my little brother's at the cable and i was just like riding around and he just like jumped on his board and like jumped on and went doubles with me and it was probably like at first i was like oh yeah this is sick like because i already knew his back wake went and doing stuff like that and then like three laps into it i was like fuck if this was like six months ago like you were like about to die dude like i would have never thought that this would have ever happened it's just it makes it it makes it so much easier to appreciate people too yeah. When you've like really see how close that, you know, you can come. Like, I mean, for me, I had um, like people, like the people that come and see me in hospital. I was like, you're my fucking friend forever. Yeah. Like I have no, like I will never, ever, ever question your friendship or integrity. Or, you know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah. it's like, that's the people that. Yeah, exactly. Really are there because they're, yeah. they're there. That's the only reason they're there is because they're your mate. Yeah, no. And it was cool to see Ethan, like, when he was in hospital, there was, like, so many people. You just, like, kind of never even, like, they've always been around throughout our lives, but they did come and visit him and, like, spend time with him and, and do stuff like that. And, like, he, he sort of, like, I don't know, he's realized the same thing, that, like, even though those people, like, uh, then it might not be someone he talks to every day or anything like that, but they do, like, genuinely are good people and they love him for, like, who he is and stuff like that and, and like there's all those 
those other people that hang around for other reasons and they might be around more, but they're not like yeah. close people, you know? Well, that's what I was thinking. Even like I get back and then we've seen each other every day, yeah, yeah. but I haven't, well, I don't even know the last time I text you. Yeah. But we know before, like when we were telling the Tang. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Before like, before coming here, I couldn't tell you. Like the last time we probably spoke was when we were both in Australia, like this time last yeah, yeah. year. Like it's, but they're the people that you want to keep around because exactly, like, it yeah, doesn't yeah. matter. There's no maintenance that goes into like yeah, a yeah. friendship or whatever, you know? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's not like I need to call you every day to be like, are we still friends? Are we still, yeah, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and same sort of thing with like my good friend Reese. Like, yeah, Reese is the same. We don't talk for like two months or whatever. Like, but like the second that we were like anywhere close to each other, like we're just straight back into being like the two best friends. Like we just hang out, we do whatever we want, we have fun and, and that's what it's like. Do you think that you're a better person for going through like the knee thing and your brother thing all in like one year? Do you think that, not like a better person, but are you more in touch with like what it is to just be a, a human in general as opposed to like be an athlete or be yeah. a, you know what I mean? Like are for you sure. more... I mean, and like uh, earlier we talked about like growing up and like doing all those things and I think those are like massive things that made me like want to grow up and be more of like a real person and have like a good life and a good family and and just sort of stuff like that and like keep the people around that actually genuinely do love me instead of like trying to chase some like silly life hanging out with rich people and doing things like that and really just like keep the people around who like love me for who i am you know because it's a rabbit hole man like as soon as you get into the world of like especially with like chicks and parties and athletes and different people and then you hang around this celebrity or then this dude that's in like a music you know he's like a music thing like you know you oh i'm hanging out with machine gun kelly and then i'm hanging out with this person and then you're like you sort of really start to lose touch of that real shit and then those people in those circles come and go and it's like exactly you sort of end up chasing something that's not really there yeah and yeah you do i see so many people that get caught up in that stuff and they think it's like so cool to like fly around the world and go hang out with these people just because like the opportunity is there but those people don't care about you dude yeah and it's all real friends you're not going to talk to these people in 10 years like why are you doing that and it's like a like a mention on a story or an inst- you know exactly. what I mean yeah, like yeah. it's just it's a super weird currency that yeah. people and then like for a dude like you man it's it's super accessible yeah. like you're a good looking dude you're the best dude in the world Big at wakeboarding a huge five, five seven <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean so it's like it's accessible man like you can yeah. go and get that and I'm sure you've had times when like you did get sucked into that world yeah you do for sure like it's just it's inevitable it's gonna happen at some point but some at some point you're gonna have to come out of it and realize that it's not real it's not you and like I don't know stick to like who you are and who you were before you were anyone does it did it take something like that to happen or were you I feel like you've never really got like lost in a rabbit hole kind of thing but yeah. like did it does it take an event like that or is it sort of something you, that you can just like kind of figure out over a couple of years yeah i think it just takes like yeah i mean like that was like a big like eye-opening moment for me that like i don't know maybe i was out there chasing like all these crazy friends and stuff that I didn't really need you know like and when if something ever like that were to happen then like they wouldn't those people wouldn't be around like and where would my old friends be that like who knows if they would be around so i'd rather like stay in touch with the people who i just like genuinely love and they love me you know now i feel like a dick for not knowing about your brother i don't worry about it dude <laughs> do you not know i don't know, I don't know no I, I knew that 
Yeah. I, I knew he was sick, but I didn't think. Yeah, it, was it wasn't like something that. that I like publicized too much yeah. or anything. Like obviously, like a lot of people around me knew the story and knew what was going on because like my parents were posting it on their social medias and like talking about it and whatnot. But um, yeah, it was sort of yeah. I didn't like want anyone to feel like pity on me or anything like that for sure because like I was dealing with that and then like. I don't know. Yeah, but it was like, I don't know, a massive thing to overcome. Like, obviously, like, overcoming that. and I think just mentally, like, knowing that. Because, like, yeah, that's that's always been my thing that anytime anything happens and I'm overseas or I'm traveling, like, I, I feel guilty that I'm not there to, yeah. like, do stuff. Yeah. And, um, like, we've got some stuff going on to where I'm, like, you know, I'm literally about to go to a different city now to like deal with something because yeah it's like that's the the thing that you should do and Family's i think that family man and you know how it is yeah and i think that if i didn't go through what i went through i probably wouldn't have the same appreciation for like the need to to do it yeah exactly it's yeah. like and until you have some like weird shit happen that you really shit, yeah. were like unexpected like yeah, yeah. no one wants it you know no, it's like a yeah, weird yeah. reality that you sort of and especially when you live in a you sort of like, I mean, we definitely live in a fantasy, bro. Like, I don't go to work. Exactly, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you yeah. live in a fantasy. You get paid to do something that you would do anyway. Yeah. So, it's super, I mean, there's people dealing with shit every day that we just... You just don't even think about, yeah, yeah. It's just not on our radar, man. Like, and, like, things, like, open up to me now. Like, now when I just, like, I don't know, see someone stressed out or something like that, or I always just, like, sort of, like make the time to like try and at least be nice and not be like, Oh the fuck, why are you stressed out or something like that? Because like, you never know what's going on in someone's life. Yeah. And it's, it's just like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a blessing in a way to go through those really shitty times because like, I'm a big believer that you can't appreciate anything good. If things are always good, like if things are always going the way that you want it to go, that just becomes baseline. Exactly. And then you just expect that that's the way that life is. And then it, it becomes harder to like, you need, like say a coke addict like a dude that's on coke all like all the time he's on on coke all the time that (laughs) feeling of him doing coke for the first time is gone you can never get it back because it's just so normal it's because you he went from being like i've never done coke before bing like like, this is the gnarliest thing i've ever done and then he goes back down and then he does it again but when you live in a life of like just doing it all the time it's gone you're just at that base level again exactly so it's like it's like a weird analogy but you need the harder something is or really like describe like what like i was always like doing well and winning and nothing like had ever happened between like family and stuff like that and then all of a sudden like at once like all this crazy stuff happened like that happened me and georgina broke up also like this year while that happened and like it was just all these like crazy things that i had to like overcome at one time and um i don't know i was just like it was cool to like sort of come to the end of the year and like my brother's good now like i don't know the injury's good like i don't know living life and just having fun you know and then you, it becomes easier or like it, the stuff that you took for granted because for years everything goes well. Yeah. And then you sort of don't really, like you said, you know, you and your family now, you're like, I love you. I want to spend more time and blah, yeah, blah, yeah, blah. Exactly. Like you want to do more and you want to feel more because you went yeah. through something that was really shit. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Like there's so many things that you like just take for granted without even knowing it. And it takes something like that to realize that like, you, like you, there's no reason to take that for granted like yeah it's a shame it takes something bad to happen yeah to realize but at the yeah. end of the day like i guess it's just human nature yeah exactly yeah what's the um what's the mentality you have when it comes to the whole new tricks thing because 
it's not a sport where you race and there's a checkered flag. Like it's down to creativity. It's down to style. It's down. It's, and it's honestly down to like what a judge thinks of what you're doing as much as what you're actually doing. So like, yeah. Do you actively think about new tricks or like what? I, I yeah, don't really know so how much, that works. It's not so much like just new tricks. It's kind of like, I don't know. You just sort of got to be like changing everything all the time. It's not like you can get away with doing like, even though you are doing new tricks, like doing old tricks the same way for years, you have to change like every way, like, I don't know, every year or every couple of contests, change the way you're doing tricks, change grabs, figure out different things, start going bigger. And I think that's what's so cool about like wakeboarding and sports that do come down to stuff like that. It's like, there's always way to grow. It's not like you're just always like pushing to get that extra second in a lap or something like that. There's like, there's a million different like routes you can go to like improve yourself and, and like be creative. It's like, almost more of a art form type of thing yeah exactly yeah as yeah. opposed to just a balls out sport or you're tackling someone yeah, yeah. or um how has it changed since you were went pro because the the world's different yeah, you're yeah. you're the first i guess when you were growing up you weren't really there wasn't social media until like when do you when would you say you started really doing like the instagram thing how old would you have been I know when it really came into effect where it like actually meant something, I was probably like, I don't know, what, 19, I guess? Like five years ago, it sort of started to really blow up. That's like a weird age to have a lot of people looking at you. Like, have you thought much about the fact that you were a kid, like a young kid going, like being it? Obviously, I think that me and Matt were talking about this before. Well, probably one of the cool things about the position you're in right is like if you're uh say tom brady like let's say that as an example like that's the top level of a sport yeah, yeah which yeah. is where you are yeah. you're at the top level of a sport but wakeboarding isn't the nfl yeah exactly yeah yeah so you get to kind of have the perks of being at the top level like the best in the world one of the best to ever do an, a sport but you don't have the tom brady attention like that negative stuff that comes with it yeah exactly but in saying that you were a six, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 year old kid that's like one of the greatest wakeboarders ever. And then you throw in social media. Like, was that a weird time for you to sort of like navigate? I don't know. It's kind of weird now. Like, it's more weird now that like social media kind of like, I don't know, it's kind of sucks, but it like nearly matters more than anything, really. And it's just sort of like weird now. Back, like, back then, when it sort of like started to come into play, no one really cared. Like, as long as you're winning events and, your name's out there, the magazines are big and stuff like that. But now it's just all about like social media and pushing yourself on social media. And it's sort of like hard to adjust. It's like nearly something like new that you have to learn. And like, it kind of sucks that it's like that. And what are the, what are like the good things that come out of it though? I don't know. Well, there's got to be, you know, like you get, I I guess there's more incentive for like uh, sponsors and then you can get, because it's like a visual thing, you know, like videos. It's like a bargaining tool when it comes down to stuff like that. And that's sort of, yeah, it's good to have like a high profile on social media and you can like attract other like aspects outside of wakeboarding, which is cool where like before, before you had that, like why would anyone sponsor a wakeboarder when there's like nothing to see? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think too, what's kind of weird though, is what we're talking about before is like, you're always Harley Clifford. Well, you're always at Harley Clifford. You know what I mean? So like people literally at any hour of the day, and this is like kind of kooky. Yeah. Some fucking random 14 year old 
kid can lay in bed and like watch you do wakeboard tricks, which is like kind of kooky because when you think about it back in the day, it was like Parks Boniface, X Games on NBC and then that's it. And if you wanted to watch him, you'd have to watch like the same video part from whatever wakeboard movie. And, you know, like me and Matt used to watch Krusty Demons as a kid on repeat. And so it was like... But now it's like you go onto your story and see that you're eating sombreros and you're feeding your dog. <laughs> like it's a full on window into yeah, yeah. your in reality now. Like, yeah. It's like you have to let these people into your life. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, I don't know, nearly sad. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Like how much but, do you think about it? Yeah. No, really. Like I, it's just like, it's kind of one of those things you have to keep up with. Cause you know, there is people out there that like want to see that. And that's sort of like how you do improve your social media and, and stuff like that. But I remember back in the day, just like growing up in the same sort of deal, just like watching videos of Parks Bonifay and Sean Murray and, and all those guys. And it was just like, yeah, I guess like for someone now, like that I would have loved to have had this around when I was like looking up to those guys just to like see what they were doing and stuff like that. So yeah, it is cool in that sense, I think. Has it progressed the sport quicker? Because I always look at, um, I always reference in motocross. That's always kind of my point of reference, but I always reference the Bubba Scrub. So like me and Matt in 04 was maybe like the really legit Bud's Creek Bubba Scrub. That's when he invented that shit and like fully blew our minds. It was on a, on a trans world motocross poster. And then it was like, you just had an image of him doing it. Yeah. So you couldn't really see, like they didn't telecast the events or anything. So you couldn't see how he did it. All you saw was this picture of him doing this like ridiculous thing. And it would have been the same in wakeboarding with like Danny Half when he did the, uh, did he do the 900 first or something? I don't know. He's done like a million tricks first, but yeah, yeah. But like you'd see this image of him on like Lake Conway. Yeah. And he'd be like way out past the wake and then he's doing... As like spinning further than you you know what I mean so you're like you're seeing this image but you don't really know how it went down exactly. but nowadays yeah. it's like you are watching every single thing so like going back to the James Stewart thing every kid like a kid that's 10 can scrub yeah like Maddie can scrub and it's like yeah Maddie Maddie's he's real good at shit yeah we've, we've established <laughs> but you know what I mean so it's like now it progresses stuff quicker because as a kid, when we first saw the Bubba Scrub, you didn't know how he did it. You couldn't see it. Yeah. But now it's like, it's there. It's every day. Every time you do a new trick, like you can drop, I mean, we've done Instagram edits together where we go out for an hour in the boat and then you drop a sick edit that's got like, that would have been a part in a movie four or five years ago. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I guess it. that's sort of what's cool about social media. It is helping push the sport, you know. I don't know, I sit there, if someone like lands a new trick, like within a couple of minutes, someone will be telling me, oh, like Mike Daddy landed this trick, go check out his Instagram. And then you go watch it. And then like, I don't know, you sit there and you're like, oh, well now I need to go post something that's cool. So you go out there, start training and riding and, and learning new tricks and stuff like that. And yeah, it does like help push the sport in that way for sure. And so how old are you now? 24. 24 and so much more. No, but are yeah. you, you're like, are you old in wakeboarding now? I'm actually old. There was probably like, Nearly every finals, unless Dean Smith made the finals this year, I was the oldest person in the finals. That is doesn't make sense. I'm 24. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm a little kid. You are a kid. Yeah, yeah. I don't understand. Like I'm 29. Like I'm. Dude, you're old. I'm old as shit. Really, it's so weird. And then so then like I hang out with like I I hang out with you and I'm like I'm seeing what you're going through with like Georgie and you're getting your first dog and you've just moved into your house and it's like 
you've done a lot, obviously, for a 24-year-old kid. Yeah. But you are still a 24-year-old kid. Yeah, exactly. But you're old in wakeboarding, and it's so weird that that's now, like, the world that we live in to where... Yeah, you're the oldest dude in a final. Yeah, well, I, I mean, like, yeah, I'm old in what, like, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not that old, but, like, I've been living by myself and doing that stuff since I was, like, 14. So, mm. sort of, like, a little bit wiser than most people when it comes to, like, being a free agent, I guess, and getting away from your parents and, and stuff like that, because it, ha- it did start when I was, like, 14. Yeah, and, yeah, not, yeah, you're definitely, a, like, a mature 24-year-old, but... But not really. Kind of, in some uh, ways. Yeah, in some ways. Not really, though. <laughs> but, like, in terms of, yeah, just the fact that of, as a sport, like, yeah, there's kids now that you're, like, sitting here at 24. Most kids, like, Ainsley, do you know when you, how old are you when you leave uni? Oh, I left uni when I was 20. Just turned 20. So, you finish uni at 20. Yeah. Well, that's a bad example. Yeah. But there's some people, like... Yeah, well, like, oh, I mean, you started just my girlfriend, yeah. like, Georgina, she's... 20, like a little bit older than me about to be 25 and yeah she's still got like two more years left of uni and you're like not coming to the end of your career but you've had a full career like yeah, yeah, exactly. a career of wakeboard you're like yeah oh, yeah i've been the best dude in the world for like seven years yeah and it's like and then your girlfriend who's older than you is still in uni yeah yeah exactly it's kind of weird but well, yeah when you put it in perspective but so it's like yeah that the sport goes like progresses think, so quickly I think with wakeboarding though like everyone is so young because or like all the like the technology is just going so much, you know. Like ten years ago, when like the like the guys that are older than me were like coming up, the wakes were small and stuff like that. But and it was sort of like they phased out of wakeboarding, but now the young kids are coming up with like these huge, massive wakes and all these like cool boats and stuff like that. And it is like a lot easier to learn tricks and push yourself. And and they're sort of like I don't know, they're looking at a different level of wakeboarding than what there was like ten years ago. You know, so everyone's like learning like a lot quicker and aspiring to be like better than what they would have aspired to be like 10 years ago you know is that i kind of never really thought about that but that whole wake thing so like say with parks and and those dudes like they were riding smaller like tiny wakes like so how does that is that the reason that those dudes couldn't stick around as long as maybe they wanted to yeah sort of I don't know, yeah. Because it'd be hard to adapt to like... Well, it is, yeah. Like, I mean, they sort of like grow up on these small wakes and stuff and like they grow up, I don't know, like that's where they're pushing themselves to be and it's hard to like go from like looking at, I don't know, maybe when they grew up, they were looking at like 720s, like it's a hard trick. But now when we grow up, like because the wakes are so big, we're looking at like 1080s and 1260s and, and crazy stuff like that and it just sort of like the whole game has changed. Is it weird to be... Like, I always think about this, and it's just weird to think about it, but, like, there's 7 billion people on Earth, roundabouts, and we, whether it's flat or round, who knows? But <laughs> do you, have you ever heard of, like, that flat Earth? Yeah, shit? yeah, I don't get Fucking it. Fucking yeah, yeah. weird. Yeah, yeah, people so whether, freak me out with that stuff. So, whether the Earth's flat or round, uh, there's, like, what, 6, 7 billion people on it? Mm. You're, like, the first person to do something, and, like, humans have been around for, like, 200,000 years. Isn't it trippy to think that you can be the first person to do anything at this point in history? I don't know. I never really think of it like that. I always think about like being the first person to do it in wakeboarding. Yeah. But when you think about it like that, it's just insane. Yeah. You're like on planet. What even is 7 billion people? (laughs) That's what I mean. So you're like, so you're like, you, you post on Instagram, landed a new trick today. Yeah. It's like a world first. Yeah. yeah. There's 7 billion people that, that have, have never done, done that in the yeah, last yeah. 200,000 years. And you're just like, what is going on? It's fucking weird. Yeah. Yeah. Super weird. But that's just like, I don't know. I always think about that kind of random shit. Like I wonder, yeah, yeah. If, I wonder if I've been the first person to ever do anything. 
Because I don't have any extraordinary ability. Yeah, you have. I mean, apart from just being me. Mm-hmm. Like, apart from it just being Jace's world. But even if you think of it like, sometimes you say like a weird sentence and like sometimes I think about it, I'm like, I wonder if anyone else in this world has ever said that sentence or strung those words together. And that's like when you listen to music and like someone makes a new bit, like, yeah, hard Riff raff. Riff. Have you been on that riff raff? Yeah, yeah. I was just doing this morning on the way down here. <laughs> How good is it, eh? What a crack up. Pooch, pooch. <laughs> That's like, that'll stick with you forever. Yeah, yeah. He's my guy now. Of all the things that we've done. I'm thinking about getting the same teeth as him. Dude. Yeah, yeah. I think you should do the whole world tour next year with like monster grills. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the new Harley, dude. That's yeah. the new Harley. That's part. Yeah, it's classic. We have yeah. to do that. Make uh-huh. like, or you could be like a UFC dude. That you know they got like the mouth guards with like weird shit on them. They could nah. Let's just go diamonds. You got the money. You wearing a rolly, mate? Fake. Fake rolly. Fake Bali special, dude. Bali rolly. Mm-hmm. Um, what we just hit like a, one of those weird points where you just get to like the end of something. Yeah, but like, what should we transition into now? That's the art of podcasting, and I've fucked it up. Don't swear. Why? Oh. Do you swear on your social media and stuff? Oh, a couple times here and there, but I kind of always feel bad about it. But yeah, I do swear a fair bit, like just between the mates and stuff. It's just an Aussie thing. I think yeah, yeah. people find it hard to, especially in America, they find it hard to come to terms with the, yeah, yeah. like, because Aussies just swear. Yeah, I, um, like, Shota Tezuka, he's like another pro wakeboarder. He's from Japan and he moved in with me when he was like 16 in the States and he literally couldn't speak like a lick of English. And after the six months of like living with us, he learned to speak English. But because like we were all Aussie that he lived with, he just like fully thought swearing was acceptable. And he'd be having conversations with like parents and sponsors like that and drop the C-bomb and say fuck and stuff like that. It was crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Little Jeff. I remember one day he walked up to a dad and I was like right there standing next to him. And the dude's like, hey, Shota shakes his hand and Shota puts his hand out and goes, hey, (laughs) C-bomb. It's like like a like, dad, and the dad was just like, "What?" It'd be like training a puppy, having a little Japanese child in your house that you can just like mold into whoever you want. Oh yeah, yeah. He sort of changed a little bit now, but at the time he was outrageous. That's so funny. Yeah. Is, is it? It's pretty rad. The whole Orlando scene. I mean, I'm, maybe you get over it because it's like always around or something. But yeah, you guys yeah. have like the wakeboarding community is different to other sports because it's it's. Not like clicky, but it's like a real, you guys all live on the same sort of lakes and it's, everyone knows each other. You're all, I mean, I'm sure there's dudes you, you think are dicks, but for the most part, they're, you're like stoked if someone lands a new trick mm-hmm. and that doesn't really happen in a lot of other sports. Yeah. That's what I hear. Like I'm obviously in wakeboarding and that's the only sport I'm in. So I like know what wakeboarding's like and it is crazy that like, that there's no one in wakeboarding that I can just be like, I hate that guy. That's crazy. Like, I love everyone and everyone's really cool and I could call anyone any day and be like, yo, you want to hang out? You want to ride? You want to do something? And they would always be down. Like, there's no one that would be like, nah, fuck you, Harley, or something like that, you know? Why do you think that is in wakeboarding? I don't know. I honestly just don't really know. Is it just maybe because you guys are just, you're a cruisy, it's a cruisy lifestyle. Yeah. Like, obviously, you try and you're training and things like that, but like... I love boat days with Harley. Like when we get up and we go for a wake surf and then yeah. the music's on. So is it just the fact that it's just not an aggressive vibe? Like it's, is it just hard to be an aggressive wakeboarder? I mean, there is a couple out there. But yeah, it's super hard to <coughs> be aggressive. Like what do you ever have to complain about? Especially while you're out wakeboarding, unless you're like hurt or something like that. You're just out on the boat, hanging out with some of your best buddies, listening to good music, riding, vibing off each other and having a good time. Um, 
what's your like so when did you move to america the first year i went to the states for six months i was 14 14 so yeah. you've seen some shit in america how yeah. has it changed since you've been there because i think when like within I, wakeboarding or just within america, just in america man because it's kind of weird at the moment well i mean the first time i went to america was like I think like right after 9-11 like no shit i was like really young like i went to america with my dad like right after 9-11 so that was like my first experience there and i remember just like freaking out getting on the plane and stuff like that because that was sort of like the first time anything crazy is really well like i was so young at the time and you're like to me that was the first time anything crazy has ever happened in this world how old do you think you like how old were you when that happened then for you because i was still in school i think i was in like year 10 i would have been I reckon I was nine when I went to the States the first time. So what? It would have been like 15 years ago, six. Wait, when did not, when was 9-11, Matty? 2001. Yeah. Two, so maybe yeah. I was eight. Like I was like the first time I ever went to the States and it was like, it happened like the week before I flew over there. And there's a lot of innocence in Australia in terms of like terrorism and all that kind of shit. Yeah. Because we just don't really have that. Like it rattled me and I was... I would have been in year, I think I was in year 10 or 11. when I, I was in year 11, I think, when it happened. Yeah. So, like, I can imagine being nine and flying to America. I, I, hadn't, gone to, I hadn't gone to America at that point. Yeah. Well, I think now, like, how it's changed. Like, that was in New York, like, the biggest city in America. And that went down. And, like, just last year or the year before, that, like, the Pulse shooting happened in Orlando. In Orlando. Club, five minutes from where I live. What was and that? And that's, like, a weekly thing. Like, I mean, a monthly thing that happens over there now. It's insane. Yeah, it's such a... Yeah. It's such a weird, um, the whole place is just, it's like it's on a bit of a knife's edge at the moment. And it's just, yeah, I was talking to one of my mates from Red Bull um, over there yesterday and it was just like, I can't remember what it was that triggered him talking about it. But um, yeah, he just said, dude, it's just such a weird place. Or maybe I just said like, oh man, like just Australia's just been that good. Like, you know, just over the last few days, yeah. you kind of brought it up and it's just like, Especially the Trump thing. Like, there's just so much weirdness Donald going Trump. on. Donald Trump. Dude, how weird is yeah, all of that super shit? super weird. How dude. weird is how much how people hate him so much? Like, him. He's been the president for, like, two weeks. And they still hate weeks, him. Yeah, and yeah. they fully hate him. Like, yeah, yeah. none of the problems in America are directly because of Donald Trump. Yeah, he's done nothing wrong. Like, I don't know. Everyone like, just hates him because they hate him. And it's like, if you're four years in or three years in, he's probably made some pretty questionable calls. <laughs> but at this point... In like a year, not even a year. Yeah, it's literally like, all he's been doing is breathing. Makes <laughs> he just can't really, <laughs> yeah, yeah, can't really cause too many problems. No, no, no. Uh, what, um, what's it been like when you're a kid, really young? Like, say we just said America was your first trip at nine, and then where, like, cause you've you've been all over the world. What, yeah, yeah. How has that traveling changed you? I don't know. Just sort of. It's been like, cool to like get around and sort of see the world. I'm only 24 and like most people don't start traveling until they're, I don't know, 40 and retired, like sort of getting close to like retired and stuff like that. So it's been like pretty crazy to know that like I'm 24. I've already filled up a passport. I'm about to fill up another one. And, and like I go through my passport and it's just cool to like turn the page, see a different stamp and just remember memories from like all different spots around the world. Do you... um Because with you doing start and traveling at so young... Obviously, you wouldn't really know anything else. So, like... Yeah, to me, it's, like, so normal. Like, I just... Yeah. It's weird to me when someone says they haven't left a country. I'm like, oh. I literally, like, by the time I was, like, 15, I'd been to, like, nearly every continent in the world. Yeah, and so that's that's what I was going to ask is, like, obviously, you wouldn't know any better. But can you really tell a difference 
in people that haven't traveled the way that you have? Oh, just trying to think about people that I know that, yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely. Like, like when you travel with someone who's like a rookie traveler, doesn't travel much. Like it hates me that they like, it annoys me so much that they get stressed out and like mm. stuff like that. I'm like, why? Like we're just cruising and going to the airport, we get on a plane. Like it's not a big deal. Yeah. I, I struggle with, um, with people like traveling with people that I feel like, dude, Charlie Hoffman said this to me the other day. He goes, the only thing that, oh, what did he, what was his exact words? But it was like, the only thing you do when you plan is plan more. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, that's the thing where I feel like people that don't travel, they try and plan everything out to the T. But when you've traveled for a long time, you realize that it's so much better to just literally not have a plan like i mean obviously you got to have a flight booked and stuff yeah but it's like you just i guess after years of traveling you realize that you really can't plan for too much something that annoys me too is like people always like talk about tourists and like what they do and how they're annoying and stuff like that i'm like i don't know they're just people traveling like they don't know that they're like coming to australia and have to completely change the person that they are like you know japanese or like the asian people they're like I don't know, they're kind of like every, all the Australians think they're rude just because they like walk in front of the lines and stuff like that. But that's just what they do over there. I don't know. It's like just normal for them. Well, when you go to Japan, I, I'm guilty of this. All like, I get the shits at the airport the other day when I flew in. There was a ton of, of Asians that they just stand like super close to you. Yeah. And before I'd gone to Japan, it had pissed me off. Yeah, but now you've been there, you understand. It's just what they do and it's so normal for them, you know? Well, it's, there's so many people. Mm-hmm. Like, Japan's tiny and there's 100 million people there. Australia is massive and there's 22 million people. Mm-hmm. So, it's like, we don't have a reason to stand on top of each other. Yeah, seriously. But in Japan, you have to stand on top of each other because you're not making your train if you don't, if you don't yeah, yeah. Like, get in there. It's actually outrageous being on a train in Japan. And I'm, I'm a big 5'7 over there. So, like, <laughs> it's funny being on the, on the train and just, like, overlooking everyone and just seeing, like, head next to head, next to head, next to head. Yeah, yeah. And I always, so, yeah, I always catch myself, especially at the airport. And I was just over it because I've just been on a big flight. But I was just like, fuck, get off me. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. they just fully like on top of you. But then I was like, nah, man, you've been to Japan. This is how it works. Yeah, I don't find Japan bad, but China is outrageous. I that place stresses me out. I haven't been to China. There's one country in the world that I've been to. That place is like really stressful. When, what wakeboarding goes down in China? I don't know. We Like IWWF is a federation and they just like somehow do random events in random towns. Like we went to this one town called like, Langzhou or something and we flew into Beijing and then got on a two-hour flight from Beijing to Langzhou and we got there and like no one spoke English we like there was no like and the food was like crazy we were eating like there was like I remember walking down to the buffet one day in the morning and there was dead cockroaches barbecue sauce on it like on a plate and then one night we like went to this like dinner and we had to go and sort of like eat the food and stuff because we had like the governor of the town or whatever that was there and it was like considered rude if we didn't like yeah. try the food and stuff. And um, we sit down at the table and they bring out a snake cut up in sushi rolls and it had the head on the table and we had to try it. Like it was messed up. What, um, what is the weirder countries that you've been to? China's the weirdest. But was it was it good weird? Because there is good weird, well, and then I mean, there's, it just then there's weird, weird. Like weird. The, like we spent a couple of days in Beijing, and that was sick. But like those towns that we went to for the events, like they're in the middle of nowhere, they were weird. Yeah, yeah, super weird. Like we we did events in Indonesia as well that were like pretty weird. Like not in Bali, like out in like I don't even know what the name of the place was, but 
yeah, places like that are pretty weird. Um, where did I go? I, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of weird countries out there, dude. There's something... Just different. There's something good about weird, though, that when you travel. Like, I'm trying to think... I'm trying to think some of, like, the weirder places that, that I've been... I mean, there's definitely, like... You go to some weird spots in, in Europe, and yeah. there's, like, like in... Uh, like in Hamburg and you're in the red light district where all like the crazy weird prostitution is and like, and then in, uh, that's your vibes though. That is kind of, (laughs) (laughs) but there's like, you have to, I guess you have to realize that, um, like what you think is morally okay is totally subjective because there's people out there like, yeah, in Hamburg, like walking across the border from Russia and it's like their whole moral system is totally relative to the way that those, like their people live, their family live and their, yeah, their yeah, upbringing. Yeah, yeah. So to us, it's like such a trip. But to them, it's just like every day, like yeah, eating cockroaches with barbecue sauce. Yeah, yeah. They're just like, what the fuck are you talking about? This isn't weird. Yeah, yeah. It's so weird. Like over in Hong Kong, they eat that like congealed pig's blood thing as dessert. And like I went and stayed with a buddy over there and he just like put it on a plate in front of me and I was like, dude, there's no way I'm eating this. And him and his family were just all munching on it. Like it was the tastiest thing in the world. Dude, and I was just disgusted. Dude, I uh, I went to Costa Rica and I sort of like Papa Pete, he doesn't eat avocados, he doesn't eat onions, he doesn't eat anything. No so, way. So mum's like the best cook ever, but is just super restricted with what she can cook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so, I like, we just kind of grew up. And I was kind of like, Dad, I didn't really eat a whole lot of shit. Yeah, yeah. And then when I started traveling, I, I did, like, a couple trips where I was like, oh, I don't eat that. I don't eat that. And then there's all these people that just eat anything and they were looking at me like I was the biggest kook ever. Yeah, yeah. And then I was I like... I hate people like that. Dude, and I was that guy for a while. Do you really not eat avocado? No, I didn't. I didn't eat... I don't even know. Like, I probably was, like, 20 when I first ate an avocado. Which is so weird to me right now. We should now. nearly stop this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Just be like... That's super weird, dude. We're done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm out here. <laughs> but like, I... Uh, yeah, so I had all these weird looks of people where I was like, I don't eat that, I don't eat that. And American food is just like super easy. Like they just eat hamburgers and shit. Yeah. And, um, and then I, yeah, went to Costa Rica and I just said, fuck it. I'm now eating what everybody else eats. And uh, I, I got off the plane... We drove, it was like near this volcano where we're doing this shoot. So we drove there and then I was starving from the plane. Get to this place, everything is in Spanish. Couldn't read anything and it was just in like a, it was like a little hut on the side of a hill and they had like a Bay Marie keeping everything warm. And I just went that, 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 that. And the dude, like my driver guy that was driving our whole crew out there started laughing. No way. And I was like, oh, fuck. I, I wonder what you ended up with. I just with. got something super weird. No. And uh, so anyway, I started eating everything. I was, And it was all good. Yeah, I, yeah. I need to mention, it was all really good. It was all just deep fried meat. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I ate uh, cow tongue, beef cheek, and cow nuts. No way. You would have loved the nuts. I was fully into the nuts. Yeah, I yeah. got seconds. <laughs> Can I get more of these? What are these? I yeah. want more. How many more? Can I get like seven <laughs> more sets of those? But that was like a full big aha moment for me of like, yeah. fuck, I'm just going to eat everything now. Yeah. And so I've started doing that. And then in Japan, I kind of did that. And Japan's like a weird place to do yeah, that. Yeah, a little bit weird. But the food there is pretty good. It's not something like you can get scared to eat because you're not going to get sick from it. Like they have good food there for sure. 
Yeah, they do. But if you live by the I'll eat anything rule, you're going to end up eating super weird shit. And I ended up, um, we went to Kyoto and it was a weird, like we just went to a restaurant where no, like no one spoke English. The menus weren't in English. And I just, I just said to the lady, I was like, just anything, anything, bring me anything. No. And the first thing I got was fish eye soup. You're kidding. <laughs> and I just, it was like me, it was just miso soup with no big way. fish eyeballs in it. And it was, it was pretty nice. But the, the eyes were like eating, a, you know, those starbursts. And then when they pop, it's like real juice, like the juice comes out oh, of them, no. like the creamy shit. Was it weird? It was super weird. Yeah, that's weird to me, dude. I don't like stuff like that. Nah, I didn't, oh, but it didn't taste bad. Yeah, and yeah. it was just the mental thing. Yeah. And then from there, I just started walking around with just everything that had street meat. I was eating like, I got like a popcorn style thing with like crickets in it. Yeah. And I was just like eating crickets like in a popcorn popcorn bag yeah sick how was that it was all right everything's yeah, good sweet. like yeah, yeah. i've never really had anything where i was like Just munching crickets yeah i was never like that's fucked i don't i can't when, remember when we we're in russia we like ate at this restaurant one time and my buddy ordered this soup and like was eating the soup and was like oh it's pretty good soup like you should get it out and i was like oh no it's right i got my meal coming and um the lady came over to the table and he's like what's in this soup and the lady was like dog oh and he was eating dog soup dude it was crazy I'm not yeah, down yeah. with eating dog. No. Just I'm because I really dog. like dogs. Dude, in China, they actually sell bagged up dogs, dead dogs on the side of the street. Like little chihuahuas and stuff. And people take them home and cook them. That's fucking heavy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like full heavy. Like I remember being on a corner in, um, we are in that weird town, Langzoi or whatever it was. And there was a dude that had like a crate full of them. Like there was probably 50 dead dogs in there. And he was just selling them on the side of the street. <sighs> I yeah know, I don't know if I'm down with the dead dog deal. Yeah yeah it's a thing there That's a thing That's so heavy Yeah What um Do you have Friends from other countries That you've made Like in weird places That you'd like go back and stay Or is it just Is the language barrier A bit too much sometimes Oh it depends where I'm at Like Definitely like if Countries in Europe and stuff Like I have good buddies over there That I'll go stay with That I've made friends with over the years But yeah, I, I mean, like, I got a couple of buddies in Japan and stuff, but I haven't really stayed with them. And But you're just intimidating in Japan because you're such a big dude. Yeah, I mean, people are like, whoa, that guy's 5'7". If you married a Japanese chick, you could play on their basketball team for their, like, in the Olympics. You should think about that. Yeah, yeah, pop out a kid with him or something. He's just super, <laughs> super 5'7"-ish, plays basketball. <laughs> you might be like one of those kids where you, like one of those dads where your kids are taller than you. Yeah, yeah. When did you realize that you were short? Like we were talking cu- about a couple that weeks yesterday. ago. What was that like? I don't know. I what? didn't really care. You just, no, you just owned it. But yeah, like, what was... I don't really care. But what was, well, you, you're good at stuff. Like, you don't need to be insecure. But yeah, yeah. what was the moment where you just went, fuck, I'm pretty short? I think it was just when I was like standing next to Georgina and I was like, we're the same height. Like, I don't know. Most people's girlfriends are way shorter than them. And I'm like, we're the same height. We're the same height and I'm a big 5'7". Yeah, yeah, This yeah. is weird. This is super weird. But that was about it. I don't know. Um, what's, the, what's it like having your own place now? You've lived by yourself before, but like, obviously that's always been in the States. And now you're doing the whole Aussie thing with your own, your own joint. It's kind of cool. I don't know. I've just sort of been settling in. And like, this is the first house that I've really cared about. My house in the States, like... I just live there with my buddies and stuff like that. So obviously just bought like crappy furniture and I don't know, the place is always trash and never clean it and stuff like that. But this house, like I'm constantly cleaning, mopping the floors and kind of like, I just got a puppy. So it's kind of like a real home now. Like I have nice furniture throughout the place and 
and um yeah i have to I, like take care of it so it's like kind of like having a real house where like my house in the states are just always sort of like a joke we just party have fun like i have 16 year old kids living with me and and we just trash the joint do whatever but yeah now i'm like i don't know something that i really have to look after and make sure it's like kept up and yeah yeah what was the shift where you went from wanting to just like dick around to then be like, nah, I'm going to get this house and I'm going to, me and Georgie are going to like make a home. What yeah, was yeah. the, what was the shift where you like mentally you were ready for that? Cause you need to be ready for that. Yeah, like yeah. you're not just, I mean, even I've, man, when I was in the, when I first was in America and traveling around, like I was just out of control and I, I'd, mentally i was so far away yeah. from wanting to settle down not not so much settle down but i guess it was like have a place have a spot build a home like when, when did that shift happen i don't know i just sort of like realized this year that like i don't know make what i am like doing well with like money and that sort of stuff and like what's it all for like it needs to be for something so i was like i don't know i want to grow up a little bit get my own place and just sort of start living and and doing my own thing and and that was sort of like what, like that was the difference in my mind. Not so much like ready to settle down and do all that stuff. Like I'm still going to be traveling and doing my thing and wakeboarding and, and pushing that. But yeah, I just want to like have something that I can be proud of and I don't know, sort of start to like set myself up for the rest of my life. Yeah. Have you thought too much about, or have you thought at all about what you want to do when you stop wakeboarding or like, do you even have a timeline in your head of stopping wakeboarding? Like how does that? kind of work because as an athlete you definitely have an expiration date yeah it's yeah, not yeah. a bad thing because i'm sure yeah, the comes to a point where you just like want to do it yeah. Point. yeah yeah but like do you is that something you think about even now not so much like i'm still obviously like pretty young even though i've been pro for a while like i'm 24 and there is other guys that are like 35 and stuff on tour still competing and making a living from wakeboarding and that's sort of like i hope that i can still make a living from wakeboarding and stuff when i am 35 and like sort of, I don't know, just keep pushing it until I can, I stop making money from it and then I'll move on to something else. But wakeboarding will sort of always be there and always be a hobby of mine. And it's never something that I'll like give up on. Like when I get older and have kids and stuff like that, I want them to like be able to sort of, I mean, not so much be pro wakeboarders, I push them to do anything like that, but just sort of like be able to have the kind of lifestyle that I had growing up. Yeah. Cause it, it definitely was, um, I mean, we never, Maddie and I never went like pro in it at anything, but we were racing and doing our thing as kids. And like, I look back as that's the most fun times yeah. of my entire life. And you had your brothers and your dad's a bloody legend. Like the entire wakeboarding world knows your dad. He's probably yeah, drove yeah. boats for every single pro wakeboarder yeah, exactly. like yeah, yeah. ever. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, is it, do you like lose perspective sometimes of like that's really where it all started and that's like the most fun or is are those times still the most fun times that you've had yeah they're always like i mean sometimes you obviously get caught up with like competing and all that stuff but yeah every time like i get back to australia and we like get the family together like i don't know we all live away from each other now and it's hard to get everyone together but like at christmas we'll do like a big boat day and that is sort of like always like a big refresh of like memory how it all started and why i still do this and and sort of like, yeah, those are the best days for sure. When the family's out on the boat, your friends are out on the boat and you're just having a good time messing around and doing what we all love. Like that's why we, I don't know, that's what it started as for me. Like just a family thing that we all love to do. And, and then it somehow progressed into like my life. Is the, is it the case with you where maybe, I don't, I don't know if it is the case with you. I know some athletes feel like they're kind of on an island 
in a way where like not that many people can like relate to what they go through or whatever. And I know even with me, I've got like my best friends like grew up with and they work nine to five jobs and they have like a very traditional lifestyle. Yeah. And I love those dudes and I always will, but I find it hard to talk about stuff because I just don't, they're not really going through the same stuff or experiencing the same things. Do you ever struggle with that kind of stuff? Yeah, sort of. Like, especially, I don't know, like when it comes down to like fights with maybe like Georgina and stuff like that and she doesn't like understand, like people just don't really understand. Like it is stressful being in my position. Like my head's always going, wake, wanting, wake, wanting, trying to like push myself and stuff like that. And I don't know, it's sort of like that stuff people don't really understand. They just look at you like, oh, you're doing well, making money, doing what you love and stuff like that. And But like it's hard, it's hard to like stay on top and always be active and always be in that mindset where you know like, ready to like wakeboard and push yourself and stuff like that. It's hard to like always stay in that mindset. And then who are the people that can relate? Just sort of, yeah. I mean like obviously other pro athletes and stuff like that who are pushing themselves and doing well in their sport and, and yeah, people like that. And then do you have those, like we kind of said before you come home, like Reese, like Reese obviously isn't a pro wakeboarder and whatever, but like he's one of your all time best mates. Yeah. Yeah. So is it, do you need those people as well that have like literally known you since day one? Yeah. Cause is there a position that you sort of find yourself in where you kind of worry about people's intentions again, like the whole Harley Clifford thing versus Harley? Like, yeah, is, yeah. It, is it hard to sift out who's there for the right reasons? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's, I sort of like have learned over the years, like who to keep around and who not, not to keep around. It's not like I love being friends with everyone. I'm always like having fun with everyone and stuff like that. But yeah, I definitely know who my close friends are and who like, I can really like go to and like tell my problems to and talk to and stuff like that. And yeah, Reese is obviously like one of those guys who's been there since day one. And we actually did grow up like wakeboarding and stuff together. So he sort of like gets all that and we have like that common interest. And, but yeah, there's not many people out there like that. You know, um, like today I just got, I just got a new boat today and I posted on Instagram and all of a sudden I have like a million best friends like hitting me up and stuff like that. So like, they're sort of like the people that you weed out and you know, like, I don't know who to invite out on the boat or who to go hang out with. And yeah, just sort of the, I don't know. The biggest thing for me is like the people that stick around when I don't have a boat, you know, people love like coming and hanging out on the boat and doing that stuff. And yeah, the people that don't, that really stick around and invite me to go do things. And I do things with when I don't really have that. Yeah. That's actually, yeah, it's pretty funny. I hadn't really thought about that. Yeah. 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 People love boats, dude. Wait, can I come on the boat later? Yeah. Yeah. You're one of them. Go away, dude. <laughs> I'm done. No. <laughs> oh, I've got, I've got fond memories of trying to, uh, wake surf switch behind your boat the first yeah, time. Yeah, I remember that was that. like the shittest day of my life. Yeah, I didn't even know you were switch. I just thought you were the biggest kook. I was like, <laughs> who is this guy? I thought he could wakeboard and do stuff. Like, what's going on? Oh, that was the worst. We're like, we're at Harley's place in Florida. He's like, you were you were hurt because you were you hurt or you didn't ride? No, your neck was done. Yeah, remember yeah, when yeah. you tweaked? Yeah, you tweaked your neck. Yeah, yeah. And then you're like, oh, I need to, uh, yeah, come out on the boat. And I was like, yeah, I wake surf, but the one side of the boat was not working, so I had the fucking first time ever wake surfing switch. I'd never yeah. stood up switch on anything, and I was a kook. Yeah, full kook. There's nothing like. It'd be like me playing basketball with Michael Jordan and not be like dribble the ball and hit my fucking foot every time I dribbled the ball. That's pretty much what it was like. It's awkward for me. No, it wasn't that awkward. Still a good bloke. Oh, but you're Harley Clifford, you know. Like yeah. I was just I was doing it for the gram. I wanted the post. I wanted, you know. 
Yeah, got, yeah. I've just got nothing out of it. Just got Did you get an Instagram out of that? Nah. Nah, nah, nah. Not really that guy. Yeah, eh? but now you're a surfer. I'm true. Yeah, I, yeah. I, if I we did... went out now, you would rip. 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 Regardless of the board. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I do like quick boards better. Yeah, yeah, dude. You better watch out, man. That board's too quick. It might be too quick, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Where do we go from here, mate? Do you need to ask me anything? Um, do, you want, do you want some uh, sage advice? Yeah, yeah, throw me some advice. What should I do? Like... I don't know. Just uh, keep Instagramming, man. You know, just get on the story. Align with Toby Price and Dude, Jackson I'm thinking Richardson. about getting one of those stones for my phone. Oh, you do yeah, need yeah, one of yeah. those. That's actually, if I was going <laughs> to give you some advice, it would be to not get dick cancer. From your phone. <laughs> That's like the one piece of advice that I want to give you. No. Avoid dick cancer from Avoid. your iPhone. At all costs. Jason McAlpine. If I want to give you some advice, it would actually be start drinking coffee. Why? Right, Maddie. Why coffee? It's just like the fucking best thing. I don't like coffee at all. Yeah, but like we surfed yesterday and then we got out and then like, what did you do? You just drank water. Yeah, I drank a lot of water. You are on a water kick at the moment, actually. Yeah, yeah, dude. I've been on like six, seven liters a day lately. That's heavy. Yeah, no, it's good. I drank two liters yesterday just because you said that you've been smashing seven. So I kind of felt a little bit... Like I should have stepped it up a tiny bit. I kind of had, I feel like I've had bad skin lately and I feel like everyone tells me that being hydrated is better for your skin. So I've just been trying to punch water down. Water is definitely better from your skin. Yeah. yeah, For your skin. Yes. Not from. For your skin. Yeah. yeah. yeah you yeah. know what else is good? Like talking in the microphone super close. Should I get closer? <laughs> I feel like I'm close, dude. I'm like. Nah, these things you have to be it's like. set up for Toby. Like, Well, just move it. He's a. A big it. six You can like twist it down two. and you can like... Oh, it goes everywhere. Yeah, you can... And then just pull it to your face. Well, I mean, you could have gave me that advice before we started. Are you reading notes? Yeah, Matt. Maddie made some notes. Oh, yeah. Okay, what What's we it been out? like? We need to give a plug. Um, this episode of Gypsy Tales is being broadcast from Alpine Group Studios. That's the plug. Plug. What's it like working with uh, Alpine Group? Has it been fun? You, have you done any cool shit yet with Alpine Group or is it just yeah, fun to hang with Yeah, we sort of just Maddie? got started. And yeah, it is fun to hang with Maddie. He's like one of my good boys and, and now he sort of is like there to help me take care of the stuff and he's always like giving me good advice and helping me out with stuff and he's like super creative and coming up with ideas and, and sort of like bringing, I don't know, he's just helping, helping me along and like helping me with sort of stuff that would be hard for me, like accounting stuff and sort of stuff like that that... I don't know, he's like helping me grow up a little bit for sure. And then do you have, like we're sort of obviously talking about the whole Instagram thing. Like do you have ideas now of things that you can do to kind of stay relevant in that whole, in that world now? Because like you are solid with the, with the social media stuff. But, you know, is like, are you thinking now as much about that kind of, like the Harley Clifford brand as much as like the, the onboard stuff. Yeah, and no, I honestly haven't, but that's sort of stuff that I'm like starting to realize that I need to and like, I don't know, Maddie's there and so hopefully like he can sort of help me out with stuff like that and I, know, I just got my new boat yesterday so I've, I've kind of felt like I was like nearly in idle mode the last couple of months because I haven't had a boat or anything and like big thing for me is like posting like wakeboarding stuff like from behind the boat so I haven't really been doing that so I got my boat coming in now and yeah, I'm just going to get on I don't know, get on the phone with Maddie and discuss some stuff with Maddie and try and um, come up with some cool like ideas that uh, I can do to stay relevant on social media. Do you have any like bucket list type stuff that you would want to do in wakeboarding, like countries you want to go to or films you want to make? or like, well, do, you, do you like the whole process of filming? Because like, is there, um, 
there's like a split in a lot of sports that are like trick judge sports. Yeah. To where there's like the filmers or like the, the film dudes and then the contest dudes. Like, are you, do you get put into one category or another? Yeah, definitely into the, the contest side of things. And that's sort of like what I've been since day one as like a contest writer. But hold up, guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, to. but like I would love to just like I've never really even had time to like sit there and film a video part. Like I've always been like so busy getting ready for contests and stuff like that. But I would love to like get with a filmer and really just work on like a solid part and sort of like an X Games part. Like come out with like cool, um, I don't know, do some different stuff like winching and and cable riding and um like really send some double ups and get into that stuff but yes it, like i've never honestly never done that what like, um is there a like a because i know like with skating and stuff there's like a full almost like a negative thing like a us versus them like the contest versus the um versus like the the film dudes like do you ever get any shit for being just like the contest kid yeah for sure like there's always like the haters and stuff and the people that like the crazy like i guess they call themselves like core wakeboarders that do gnarly like gaps and big like winch spots and stuff like that they look at me just like oh yeah he's just like a contest wakeboarder that does really well and has good sponsors and stuff like that but um i don't know like that's like i it's not like i don't appreciate i love the stuff that they're doing too and i would love to do that but that has just sort of never been a road that i've gone down yet but yeah like i would love to like get out there and push myself in that direction and and do some of the cool stuff. So started like those sort of dudes start to like recognize me as more of like an all round wakeboarder that's just pushing the sport. And that's all I want to be really. When you think about the sport now, you've been winning shit for so long. Like since you're a kid, you won Australian titles, then you go win world titles and you win world pro tours and then you win X games or whatever. You know what I mean? Does winning get to be like, is it a feeling you're chasing because it's like something that you love the feeling of winning or is it just now a routine of winning and it's like if you're not winning then you're not doing the thing that you should be doing yeah that's kind of the way i think of it like obviously winning every time you win it's like you're excited and stuff especially nowadays that it's like so competitive and everyone works so hard to win it's not like you just train the week before and then you go to a contest and you either do good or you don't like it's like years and years of practice that all comes into play on the day so it's always like a really good feeling when it all comes together and you get a win but um yeah, definitely. Like, I I feel like I've done so much, like, winning and stuff like that that nearly, like, a lot of people probably expect me to win, I guess. So, like, yeah, if I'm not winning, I do definitely feel the pressure, like, oh, is Harley's spot? Like, my sponsors are probably like, oh, Harley didn't win this weekend. Is he, like, slipping back and stuff like that? But, I mean, it's just so competitive nowadays and so hard to stay on top all the time. And, like, you make that one little mistake or you train bad the week before and then you come into the event and yeah, you don't do well. And it's like hard to always be on doing well. And then how quick after, because this is one thing that Dungey said, Ryan Dungey said in the podcast we did that like freaked me out. It was like literally as soon as like you hold up the trophy and you're like, I'm the winner. Oh, it's like 15 minutes of, yeah, I'm stoked. And then your mind is just straight back into, okay, contest next weekend. Let's get home and let's train. Is that weird to live like that? Yeah, it kind of sucks. Like it's not, it's not, you never really get to enjoy your achievements until like, you're done with the season. But then even then, like I've had my two months off and I know the season's coming up starting like first contest is like end of February, start of March, still three months away. And my mind is now just switch back into like, all right, let's get ready. Let's go. Let's go. Let's ride. Let's train. And um, yeah, so yeah, it's definitely weird to like always be in that mind frame and never really like, you know, someone works, they work 
like nine to five and they every afternoon they get off work and they're like yeah i'm not at work now let's just chill and relax and stuff like that and they like look forward to the weekends and stuff like that but for me my mind is just always in work mode i guess and you sort of have to be to like stay relevant and stay like on top and i think that's like the difference between like i don't know sort of someone that's doing well and someone that's not in their sport is like their mind is always on the game but then the thing that makes me think about that with you is like, so say for instance, surfing, like we go surfing and it's like me, Maddie and Todd, there's not like one ounce of competitiveness yeah. in you that comes out when we're surfing just as four mates. But then I know people, you can't do shit with them without there, it being a competition. Yeah. Like it's just all about winning and I'm, and like... So for me, I can understand that dude like wanting to win every single thing he does, every contest, every race, every whatever, because like that's literally his personality. Yeah. But with you, I don't think you have that crazy winner at all costs. Like I want to win at surfing. I want to win at wakeboarding. I want to win at cards. I want to win at, you know, I want to, yeah. you know, so like, is that weird? that's what makes me think it's just more of like a routine, a thing that you expect from yourself as opposed to like this crazy drive to win. Yeah, for sure. I'm definitely not like a competitive person when it comes to anything else. Yeah, it's just wakeboarding that I'm competitive in. And I don't know, I think that just comes to do with like, that's my mindset and that's where I want to be. And like, I don't want to always be competitive. I feel like people that are always competitive and everything they do are just like really stressed out. Yeah, like obviously I just want to be like good at wakeboarding and then just have like anything else, just an outlet to go have fun and, and do what I want, you know? Did, you, did that take like... Because that's a pretty mature way to look at it. Definitely when I was a kid, I was competitive at like everything I did. And people always said that, but like it's changed a lot now that I've gotten older. Like I just look at everything else. Like, I don't know. I don't need to be good at surfing. Like I love it. It's just fun. I want to like mess around with my buddies and, and really enjoy it. Like I don't need to be competitive. Why would I want to be competitive at surfing? Is that, did that come from wakeboarding? Was there a point maybe like before you turned pro or when you're a kid and you're like a, literally a prodigy you know, Ryan Sheckler type kid. Did there get a point in your life where it was just fucking heavy and you were just, is that when it sort of switched to where you're like, look, I'll just put my brain to wakeboarding when I'm on and when I'm off, let's just, let's get rid of the competitiveness. Like, was there a point where the whole competitive thing just was too much to handle? I don't know. I think, I think it's just got to do with like, it was, uh, not really. Because it would have had to have been know. weird being a kid. And I then, sort of like, like transitioned out of being competitive and everything else. I don't know. It was never really like a particular moment where I was just like, damn, I just need to like chill out and stop like trying to beat everyone else and everything. Like, I don't know. People are good at what they do. And I don't know, just stick to what you're good at what you do. Like have fun doing other things and then push yourself in your area that you want to push yourself in. What's, um, obviously there would have been competitiveness with your brothers. So like, was that something that do you think that that was your first competitive nature was to like have that fun rivalry rivalry with your brothers and then that carried over into like contest stuff yeah definitely like i was the middle brother so like i was always like wanting to be better than my older brother and then like never wanting my younger brother to be as good as me so that was sort of like my where it all started for me and that's where the competitive like and we all were just competitive wakeboarding that's all we did like we all wakeboarded together and and we messed around together, but like wakeboarding was always like the big thing that we all wanted to be good at. So 
I don't know. We just sort of started from there. That was sort of like the start of the competition days and then it transformed into like real competition. You're like actually and, winning shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because there's no trophy at home. Yeah, no, no, no. Not at all. Uh, have you ever had like guilt in a way that you do what you do and your brothers haven't got to like live that lifestyle? Yeah, for sure. Like, I don't know. There's times where that, that does cross my mind and I do feel like they feel a little left out and stuff, you know, Cause like it did get to a point where like mum and dad were putting like it a lot. I was like doing well and they were putting like a lot of effort into me and my wakeboarding and stuff like that. And there's definitely things that they missed out on like growing up that a normal kid did like got to do because like mum and dad were putting like a lot of money into me and a lot of effort into me to, to get me to where I am today. And yeah, there's definitely times where like I feel guilty about stuff like that. And I always like, I don't know, I'm like a super big family guy. So I'm like always trying to get the family together and do things and like spoil them and do stuff when I can, you know? And is that, did that ever cause like problems with you guys? Because yous are all pretty tight now, but yeah. was it, was that like something you've had to navigate? Yeah, for sure. Like my older brother, he moved down to Sydney and stuff like that. And I feel like he probably kind of did that to just to sort of get away and like have his own life. And, and then my little brother, yeah, there's times that we fight and stuff and little things come out that like shouldn't really be said and stuff like that. I don't know. There's always that little bit of guilt and I sometimes I do feel like I'm like having to do things to like make up for them missing out on stuff when like they grow up yeah it's got to be it's got to be a hard thing to like navigate and because it's young man like yeah. how many 30 year olds do you know or 40 year olds that still aren't mature enough to like navigate weird shit that happens in their family so I mean yeah especially like being super young and then it's weird too like I felt when I first went to america yeah like i could kind of just do whatever the fuck i wanted for the first time in my life yeah. without having like maddie around and mum and dad around and my sister around and no like there wasn't any eyeballs on me and i it was like the first time in my life where i could just really have like this freedom and then like so for you being young to have that same freedom and then I guess like, yeah, get out of that whole situation. Like, so, yeah. so like we said, I mean, it sort of was never really like that because like I, I always felt like from the day one when I was going over there to do a job nearly because like there was like my parents and like my family that have sacrificed so much for me to like get to where I was that like I always at some point until like just recently have I felt like I was always doing it at some point to like make up for stuff for them and like, I don't know, to make it all worth their while, you know? Because there was a point Definitely when I first met you, well, you, you were super young when I first met you, but like when you were first on tour, like there was a point where you like didn't drink alcohol for like years and years and like you wouldn't go to parties. And I think that sometimes people even... Yeah, but I think that had to do with the fact that I was like 15 and yeah, 16 but, and stuff. But how many 16-year-olds did you know that you grew up with that were partying every weekend when they were still in school? Yeah, even? exactly. But I think that's just got to do with like sport and stuff like that. Like sport's like a good outlet and that's why... The normal kids that go to school don't have that outlet. They just go to school and then they go party and do what other other school friends are doing. But I was like traveling the world and doing sport and like doing really well and whatnot. And that was sort of like, I don't know, nearly in a way like my drinking and partying and stuff. Yeah, but so many kids don't like they just fall into the trap. And yeah. like I know there was a point even where you would get not like criticized, but like some of the other wakeboard kids would look at you like, you're he's an idiot like he's so stuck up and all he that like he doesn't even ever have fun but like yeah you like explain to them like no this is my fun like i don't need to party like yeah. maybe those kids and they're probably the same kids that didn't really 
amount to anything in wakeboarding because yeah. maybe that's what they did too much of, you know? Exactly, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you definitely see that. Like the kids that sort of stayed grounded and stuck to like wakeboarding and not getting out and doing those things are sort of the kids that are doing well now. And now we all party. Like we all have fun together all the time and, and sort of like, I don't know, I grew up like always looking at like when I get older, I'll do that stuff. I don't really need to do it now. I'm going to stay grounded and stick to my guns and push myself and, and get to where I want to be before I start doing all that stuff. So what is next, do you think, like in the next few years? What's, what's, what's going to be Harley Clifford's next couple, couple year uh, Yeah, well, it's, gonna, it's interesting. Like I just got me at Mastcraft and like all the athletes, we just released a new boat and like that, it's sort of like the next generation of the boats. The wake's huge and stuff like that. So I just got mine today and I'm going to start pushing like tricks and stuff from there. But I mean, yeah, it would be cool, like we were talking about before, to get out and do some of those like crazy winch spots and hopefully I can get like, I blew my knee out um, filming for an X Games part. So I would love to like be able to redeem myself from that, get another X Games part and and um, really put in some work and like differentiate myself from like being just a contest wake. But I would love to like, I don't know, to push myself into like the real it's called real wake so like be able to like put out a crazy section like for that and maybe even get a win in that that'll be pretty cool do you feel like you the career like your career was on like this crazy rise and then the injury happened and then the mindset went from like keeping the win streak going to like coming back and winning again yeah. and now you had an you had another season of winning pretty much everything yeah even though that was like that was close, the, like you said, the gap shrunk down. Yeah. Do you feel like the in a way like the pressure's off? For sure, that was something that I like. I wanted to prove to myself and prove to like the world and like I don't know. They sort of saw me do that. Like I came back strong and won everything and did really well. And now it's sort of like time to not so much move on to other things, but like just broaden myself to like different aspects of wakeboarding. Wakeboarding's growing so. Well, it's not like growing so much right now, but like obviously the cable like side of things is blowing up and all like the real wake stuff, like the street spots and all that stuff is blowing up. And I would love to like stop helping push myself into those directions as well, because that's what I'm going to have to do to like stay relevant. It's nearly like half pipe skateboarding, you know, at one point was like the only thing, the yeah. only thing. And then like all this street skating and stuff started happening. And that's exactly what's going on in wakeboarding right now. Are you glad that you put the effort in that you did because it almost seems like now you've earned the right to tell people what you want to do. As opposed to like when you first go pro, it's like body gloves. Like we want you to win the world tour. Monster wants you to win the world tour. Liquid Force, we want you to win. Yeah. But now it's like, bro, I've won. Like I've done the winning. Yeah, I've done it like seven times now. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like now I want to, this is what I want to do. So it's like the shoes on the other foot in yeah. a way that you can create. And like, I think that if you didn't have the season that you did this year, that'd be like harder for you to do because you'd, you'd probably still be chasing those wins again and trying to chase yeah. that validation. Yeah. yeah. It's like you've val- you validated. You're yeah. bloody verified, mate. You're on it. You've got the, you tick. Got the, you got the tick. You got the tick. <laughs> but now it's like, you literally can say to people like, there, there can't be any question marks like, oh, Harley never got hurt. Oh, Harley didn't have to ever come back from injury. Oh, it's like you've kind of done the full spectrum of it now. And it's like you can just go do what you want. Yeah, it's not sort of so much like that. Like I do really feel like I want to still do good in contests and stuff like that. I love contests and that'll always be like a big thing for me. But yeah, I do want to like, just like I said before, broaden the spectrum and like push myself in other directions and and sort of like not... 
I, I don't know. I just hope like the pre- pressure is like relieved a little bit. Like, so if I'm not winning, people aren't like doubting me and stuff like that. I just want to sort of like, I don't know, just like not have so much pressure on me would be cool. I think. Well, I think you've, that's, a, yeah, you've earned the right yeah. to not have. I think a lot of the pressure, pressure is like self pressure. Like I want to win and I want to do well and stuff like that. But I just want to learn to like ease up on myself a little bit and, and realize that like, I don't know, it's not, everything isn't just winning. Like there's so much more to it. Well, I'm down to film your X Games part. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Because that'd be rad. 2018. 2018's old. Um, do you want to give any shout outs? Do you want to tell anyone about anything? Do you want to, now's your chance to just get a little bit I of a G up, about? you know? Yeah, yeah. Just whatever, whatever you've got going on. Shout out to Taco. Yeah, yeah. Taco. Shout out my boy Taco. I love you. He's my boy. You're my boy, Blue. I got nine week old puppy. His name's Taco. He's a little sausage dog. You can check out my Instagram. You'll see him. Um, Shout out to just, I don't know, all my family and friends for helping me and doing everything they've done over the years. And um, I don't know, obviously sponsors and stuff like that. It's always good to say thanks to them. So thanks to Monster, Mastercraft, Body Glove, um, Leadwake, Liquid Force. Matty, do I have any other sponsors? Buy my, buy my Pro Model. Yeah, yeah. Buy my Pro Model, the Remedy. But I got a, I got a Wake Surf coming out that you guys should look out for. That's going to be sick. Yeah, yeah. Lit. Yeah, yeah, lit. Super lit. Well, thanks for hanging out, mate. Yeah, thanks, Chase. It's bloody, bloody good, mate. Yeah, yeah, good. Let's go surf. Do you want to? Kind of, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm in for like there. a super quick one. Is Burley Point on? I mean, HJM Point on? HJM. That's Harley Jace Matty Point. It's not on. What's what's going to be good, Matt? Yeah, that's fucking air wind, Oh, shout bro. out to my boy Toby for letting me keep my boat at his house this year. <laughs> thanks, Toby. River Link's life. Yeah, Link's life. All right, let's close it down. All right, let's get out of here. Sick, bro. Surf, bye.